0: Snippet, the short podcast platform.
1: You guys didn't just play 90s music. I mean, you had spiky bleached hair. You know, you wore the baggy clothes, everything.
2: Yes, sir. Yes. The long and the short of it was, you know, yeah, we, we kind of, bands like Corn and bands like, you know, House of Pain, we were kind of friends with those guys. We were also kind of like idolized those guys because they were so cool. So, yeah, the the uh, the chain wallets. And, and yeah, all that that's stuff. Right. I, I got, got a big one. Know, the, the, yeah. Third
0: yeah. Rail clothing. Oh, Third, third rail, rail. Yep. Oh, there was some of the clothes, baggy and like fire yeah. and flames Baseball and lame, jackets. Lame and 90s and oh my gosh,
2: we were all so. You know, we we, we <laughs> experimented. I got my my chin pierced when I, I just you did. Oh, uh, it was like one night after, uh, just one yeah, night at the it. Roxbury.
3: You know? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's Stan Frazier and Murphy Kurgis, two of the founding members of Sugar Ray. And as you can see, the 90s had just as big of an influence on them as they had on us. So today, we'll talk about the formative years of one of the biggest 90s bands around. So let's start today's show with my favorite question. Why? Why did the 90s matter so much? What happened that made it so iconic? Why is it so fun to remember it? Is it just because we happen to be the age we were and it's interesting to us now because it's been 20-something years? Or was there some special sauce? Here's Stan and Murphy.
2: What what were the 90s? It was so weird, you know. It was was a little bit of a faceless decade because the 80s were
0: so colorful and neon coming out of the 70s, a transformation from the 70s to the 80s. So the 90s, like, what were the 90s? You look back, I think you can kind of get it now. And well,
1: yeah, we don't, I don't think we got it until right, now. I mean, the right, right. 90s are finally receiving nostalgia. Before that, so, it was yeah. just like a few years ago. And now you can right. really compare it to what music and pop culture is like today.
2: I think so.
0: And
1: yeah. what a
2: big difference from, like, you know, 91, 92 to, like, 98, 99. I mean, it right. was, like, almost, like, three decades in one decade.
0: When something is too close to you, you don't have perspective on sure. it, like anything. And when you kind of get away, you go, you know what? There was some really great music in the 90s going on. And I think any decade, you're going to look at it and go, there's some amazing bands, and there were some bands that, you know, flamed out and they had one hit or something. But I I think there was a ton of amazing music that came through the time.
1: And one of those amazing bands, of course, turned out to be Sugar Ray. Hits like Fly, Every Morning, Someday, When It's Over. Just unforgettable music from these guys. But it didn't always start so simply. They had a few other incarnations of the band that eventually led to who they became, so here's Stan telling us about the early days.
2: We got together, you know, Murphy and I. I was dating Murphy's sister in you high gotta
0: school. You got to go back to the beginning. <laughs> okay, we,
2: we started as a band up the up the,
0: up PCH, literally just up the road in Newport. Yeah. That's where we started. He called me one day and said, "Hey, they were in a band called the Tories, and you guys were insane. They were a really, really, really amazingly talented band at the high school level. They won the Battle of the Bands here in Laguna Beach. I remember I came down and saw that back um, in 1904. So the cool. were so good." <laughs> Their singer quit, so Rodney, who was on bass, switched to guitar. He goes, "Hey, want to come down and play bass?" Like we, Rodney switched to guitar. I go, "What? Okay, all right, cool." At the beach, and so it literally started that day. Mark came down. He said, "I knew a guy who wants
2: to sing," and it started on the beach. There, our first gig was on the beach. We started as the Shrinky Dinks playing all these things, and you know, uh, and then it became. Like, we were going to get a record deal. Like, it all, all of a sudden, it got, it got serious. I mean, obviously, there was ups and downs. Mark quit for a minute, and then he came back to, for the band after, you know, he graduated from college, et cetera, et cetera. But um yeah, dude a McGee McG a lot deserves a lot of credit for us getting the deal because he we shot a video about it. Let's say then. who McGee is. Do you know McGee is? No, I don't. Okay, okay. great. Um McGee is sorry to interrupt you, Murph. Uh-huh. McGee is uh you know, he was one of uh, he was like the fifth Beatle. Right. You know, he was okay. the guy that couldn't really play the instrument, but he had a vision and, and he saw an opportunity and so he started like directing our videos and stuff. But he had a vision, you know, outside of being a musician to kind of help us reach our goals and see what we are fully capable of. And, and uh, you know, he went on to be, he's a huge successful director in Hollywood right now. He directed the Charlie's Angels, uh, you know, all those Terminator movies, movie number Terminator 4, four. Oh, cool. stuff.
0: Yeah. He filmed us in all these amazing places where we were just doing all the, we, we had so much energy. The, the four of us together were like, it was just like keg powder waiting to explode when we got into a car or a room or a place. We were a and bunch so, of
2: hams. I mean, yeah. that's a, and McGee saw that. We he just goes, wanted to have These guys fun. are insane. If I tell them to go jump off that cliff, they'll go jump off that cliff. Yeah, they'll hurt themselves. As long as the camera's rolling. Like, we really were. We were like... We wanted to hurt ourselves. We were dying so other for attention. Laugh, we, we, our <laughs> musicality was, was pretty damn good. The songwriting was definitely not there yet. But we were, we were definitely the most sort of, like, exciting thing. I, we all just said, you know, let's, if we are going to be a monkey, let's, we might as well be a gorilla. <laughs> we'll, well, let's be the biggest, you know, ape we can be and just go for it.
1: And then a miracle happened. Somehow, these guys got on the desk of the executive of one of the biggest record labels in the world. With McGee helping us doing this video that that was this vision that
0: somehow Doug Morris from Atlantic, it got to him magically somehow. Through and your dad, by the way, to give yeah, it's a crazy to story how this demo video got to the President of Atlantic on in the New, East New York Coast. City. It's insane. It's like a magic carpet right there. He saw it. and this is when, you know there was a lot of grunge going on, a lot of like flannel and staring, we call it staring your sure. shoes he said literally this he goes sign that band give them whatever they want that's why i got into music in the first place wow. doug morris said that he's the head of a major which the, the big conglomerate labels anyway he's he's a he's a vanguard guy and, and he saw something though in us like a little spark and so anyways we we somehow lucked out on that now we go okay now we gotta write a record we yeah. had like two songs we had and the, had the really one in the video got us the deal so so and what song it, is that it was it was caboose okay and it was a great live song it had so much energy
1: Cool track, but not exactly the mellow pop that we've come to know and love about Sugar Ray. That sound didn't really stick until Sugar Ray broke with the song that everybody knew. Everybody sang along to with not only their friends, but also their mom. The cross-generational multi-platinum hit, Fly. Fly came
0: later in 97 on the second record. When we were writing in New York City out of frustration. We didn't... like You tried to change your sound there any band to try to change their sound and have it sound, right. sound good it just sounds bad. so we somehow backed into that song one day in rehearsal when everybody was frustrated and
2: then our lives changed you know we all wrote Fly I wrote the chorus I was responsible for a lot of the choruses but Murphy came up with the bass line and Mark wrote some lyrics and our DJ came up with uh, the drum beat and Rodney played the guitar so like we are all responsible for a lot of the songwriting
1: 1997, and Sugar Ray has made it. Fly's been number one on the Billboard charts for four weeks. Their album would eventually become triple platinum. But the guys were faced with a lot of criticism that this would be it, that they were a one-hit wonder. What else could this band possibly do? Well, they were set out to prove everybody wrong.
2: So we, we had the one song that was seriously number one. And it blew open all, every door. It, it, we started to realize our dreams. We all got gold records. We were on I the
0: Warp Tour selling 55,000 copies a week, which is insanity. I mean, yeah.
2: literally crying to my parents, like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, right. that kind of emotion and, and just thankfulness and gratefulness. And then, um, you know, yeah, we people were like, well, they didn't have another follow-up single. These guys right. are a flash in the pan. What, right. what else? I, we'll never hear from them again. So the, the album cycle finished, and we went off, and we went into the studio up in Los Angeles. We were all living there at the time. And... We, we just started writing another record, and now we had money in the bank, and we had time, and we had a nicer studio, and we had nicer equipment, and we could afford to be in the studio and order, you know, instead of ordering, you know, or having, like, you know, Top Ramen, we were ordering, like, nice food, and <laughs> it just became, it, we, it changed us. It, yeah. it, it opened our, our doors. We just started writing, and, and, you know, you can't ever predict what's going to come up when you write songs. I mean, I, I'm a songwriter to this day and producer, and so is Murphy, and, but it's hard.
0: It's really hard.
2: Let me, let me say a little on what I think happened. It, it, it did change
0: the fabric of the band. Um, and it let out the real good songwriters and I think Rodney and Stan that had something like Beach Boy element buried inside you where when we were banging our heads, it wasn't able to come out before. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's when every morning came right. and someday came because the fact that Fly was then unlocked. So then we were free to go, oh, we can sing harmony and just chill and make a cool beat and go, and just do that, it, it it let everybody in the band be free to write a mellow song with a BPM that wasn't 160. You could We could, okay, cool, let's do this. So that's where I think it unlocked us, to let us have a chance at doing another record. And we just kind of, we didn't at all try to go, let's write another fly, let's right. copy. We just, we were free to kind of sing and, and do some breezy, mellower stuff. And it actually worked in the next, and we called it, 1459. Yeah. Because we were trying to beat critics to the punch of going, look, we get it. You all think we're going to fail, and we probably think we're going to, but we're going to try. So here's. Here you know, fourteen minutes fifty nine seconds. What you're thinking? So let's well, just have And some then fun. to back
1: that up with every morning, right. which fly. I think is as big as fly. Right. Was it chart wise right. as big as fly? Yeah, it, it, it must. Uh, been, it, right? I think fly. In some ways, stomps it, stomps it. it all. But, but I think fly. Everyone's every it it's right there. Every, every morning out. is the one that's right next to it. Yeah. Right. So I mean, to back that statement up with a song like yeah. that is pretty cool. You know, to be able to say, look at us, we're still doing it. We right. we lucked out. Every morning
3: there's a
2: we come up with the music for that tune in the studio, and we are doing it at the uh, what was the place in the studio 56. Studio 56. Yeah. It was in LA, right on Remember the uh, It's like by the transsexual shakies right there where there's, it's totally. like, you know, trannies everywhere. And then we were just like, it trannies was, and uh, grannies. LA was amazing. Uh, it was great. I, I walked down the boulevard one time in hot pants for a he dare. Did. I got a 100 bucks from our. our tiny,
0: pick. tiny Daisy Dukes. We dared but, him to walk down. I did. I, yeah. With a, in, you were in a wig. I was but in a wig. Yeah. I was just like, like, I was just, channeling like just looked twice. Channeling right? some weird shit. Los exactly. wow. Angeles. Right on yeah. there. Exactly. But
2: the long and the short of it is we had the riff for every morning. It's a three chord riff. We kind of like borrowed from Lou Reed and every other song in the world. I just went on a camping trip. Every song, every great song in the world is three chords. I I learned like 25 songs this weekend to go on this camping trip. They're all three chords. I'm like, (laughs) this is the greatest thing in the world. Like, that's all you need, you know, three chords and the truth or whatever they say. So the long and the short of it, I went out to the car. I was leaving the studio for the day. I was hearing the melody in my head. All of a sudden the lyrics just popped in and I ran back in and our engineer Steve Steve Gallagher, Gallagher was in there. Hi Steve. And I go throw up a vocal mic. I got a I got a melody, I got a yeah. hook, and I got a lyric. It all just popped into my head. Every morning there's a halo hanging from the corner of my girlfriend. I, I was fighting with my girlfriend, she I thought remember. I was cheating, and I yeah. it just all you know, nah. every morning there's a halo hanging on the corner of my girlfriend's four post bed, which just meant like she's so innocent, and I'm out there doing all this stuff. But I know it's not mine, but I know you use it for the for the weekend or a one night stand. So it's just like, can I borrow? Can you can I, you're so holy and great? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm this scumbag out there, you know, banging chicks. But th- can I just borrow <laughs> some of your greatness for a little bit? <laughs> like, it was a great hook, but I, I came back in and, and I threw that down and, and, and no one else had heard it. And we everyone arrived at the studio the next day and I arrived early and I put a low harmony under it just so everyone could hear it in its true form and everyone hit the floor everyone's like oh my god this is like right. this is better than fly and i go I don't know what it is. It just can't. And is it a chorus? Is it a verse? Is it a, is it a bridge? I don't know. And then it ended up being the chorus. Right. But yeah. it was just so weird how, like, cool I ran back part. in. I'm like, I, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go home for the night, maybe drink a few beer But I ran back in. I'm like, if, if I don't go in, uh, it's before iPhones and I didn't have a voice yeah. recorder. I'm like, I'm no, going to forget those this. little ghetto
0: blasters that you, you know,
3: I'm going to forget the, the melody. And, and that,
2: you know, it turned out to be a really important move for me to run back in there and do it. You know,
3: yeah. <laughs> it probably made
2: me a lot of money and, and <laughs> helped our career. That We had a second follow up single
0: that was right, number right. one. And, like I said, I think. Fly gave Stan and us the opportunity to just explore melodic stuff that was sitting and waiting inside them. You know, yeah, so that's a, good, that's it was a fun. good point. It was fun for me to watch that. I was more the hard rock guy, the riff. And so that's, that's what I love doing. And I'm listening to these guys write these hooks. And I'm like, and then Rodney's little... Dun, 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 dun. That's a magical guitar part. You know, if you play it to a kid, that it's like, whoa. It was a fun moment to be in right there during that record because we weren't thinking at all. We were just in the studio screwing around put a basketball hoop in our recording studio <laughs> <laughs> and we did and, and a bruce lee poster and like guitars yeah. and Anybody could go in at any time and play anything
2: or screw around and play, you know, an, and, a pinball and then write a song. I mean, that's how it should be. Right? And, and you, you just said the most poignant thing. You're like, we weren't thinking. And I think once you start thinking a lot about and because I did this for a living every day still yeah. and I have to do it and you have to like, oh, writer's block bullshit. There's no you have to force the issue. But back right. then when you have the luxury of having a hit song on the radio and you you have time. You, you can kind of not think. You can kind of just go, what are we doing today? And we, don't, we walk into the studio always and go, all right, what are we eating? Like, that's the first thing. Order and we had each like-
0: other, too. You said that we had other things. But I think that the fact that we had we were having so much fun and we were out on the road together. You know, yeah. coming, it, it wasn't extravagant success at that point. It really wasn't. I mean, it was funny. Um, at one point, I asked our, and our guy, were we ever going to get a check? Because literally a year after Fly was breaking, we were broke. Oh, we, really? we, we were, I was like 100 bucks a week. And he's like, <laughs> Murph, you know. Anybody ever had a hit record, never had a problem playing for Pampers. He made some funny like rock and roll joke that like, don't worry, you're going to get your money at some point. But it, you know, it was cool that we were able to get a house or something or whatever. But it it was, I think we had each other too. It was really fun that we were connected. Yeah, We were getting along so well at that time. And it was fun to show up at the studio. Unlike later years when it becomes a drag and a slog or whatever. You got to fight through it. But that was a magical, fun time that we all look back on.
1: So in 2001, Sugar Ray released a self-titled album called Sugar Ray. That's probably the last record you really remember from the band. It had the hit song, When It's Over, which, ironically, turned out to be kind of their last hit. Here's the guys commenting on that realization. So it is ironic now, looking back at that. That is like, we released a bunch of
2: stuff after When It's Over and none of it worked. So uh, you know it's very appropriate when it's over, right? Now it should have been called. Now it's over, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: No, that was the last. You're right. That was the last big song for us. And I think that there was just a, you just get these creative runs, and it's the energy between people. It it it, maybe it kind of goes away, and then then it goes to another you know place. But um, that was the last one, and that video was actually. Trivia. That was the most expensive video we ever did. You remember mm-hmm. that? It was a
1: cool video. Yeah, it was right. cool. It made McGee's. dollars. He directed all those videos for
0: us.
2: <laughs> our, our director wow, friend.
0: Really? Yeah, Yeah, half I mean, a million bucks. That was when that was right in the tail end of like ex- when record sales were still huge and yeah. huge money being made. Yeah. So, but I just thought that was funny. That was yeah, like expensive video. So spending videos. half a million. And that was million dollars that was um, specifically everybody's dream scenario. That's what the, you kick stuff over. But your dream scenario was kind of like. A really kind of rad. Like, was it like a Sting set or like Sade yeah, like style
1: council or something? Chardé. Just yeah, like really right.
2: sexy
0: right, and like right. suits. And, and you would
1: kind of like take over the band. Like you push Mark off the stage. That was you've done your homework. Yeah, was that <laughs> what you wanted? It, but
0: that was just Stan's personality. Like he'd he'd have fun. He would just destroy things, which was rad. <laughs> Still and then mine did. was like a punk rock CBGB, and I did a stage dive. At Liberty spikes. Craig was in the club. You know,
2: like so making it, it rain. Making it a rain. <laughs> Mark was. What was his? He, he had, he like... He was the drummer. No. <laughs> that would have been great <laughs> if he was... That's funny. Would. No, I think Mark's... He had I don't his, even remember. Didn't he have, uh, like, you know, that big, uh, like, mural in the background? To so those that have passed? Is that uh, the... Yeah, exactly. Every morning booklet? Yeah.
0: Uh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm,
2: oh, yeah, singing real...
0: Yeah, that's right. It was, like, a very tight shot on him. But what was Rodney's dream scenario the, for video? Bruce Lee oh, thing. Oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. That was cool, yeah.
2: So <laughs> that was fun because... That was fun to spend if, a half a million dollars on. If you want
0: day. a band to say <laughs> yes to a video concept... Just do something that they would love to do. Yeah, tell hey, them, you want, drink it up. They'll vote that treatment, yes, that director wins, we're hiring <laughs> Well that he didn't even have to
2: write a treatment. It's like, what do you want to do? What do I want? know. Okay, done.
0: We, that's, yeah. how, that's how
2: we'd approach every video with me, It's just like, what do we want to do this month? Yeah. Make it cool. When it's over,
3: that's the time I fallen in love again. And when it's over, that's the time you're in my heart again. And when you go, 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 I know it never ends, never ends. All the things that I used to say, all the words that got in the way, all the things that I used to know have gone out the window. All the things that
1: she used oh. to So when it's over, that was it.
0: That was it, yeah. That was, uh, and you're right, it was 2001, 2002. Yeah.
1: So there, you've kind of heard the saga. The highs, the lows, how it started, how it ended. So what do two former members of one of the biggest bands of all time do now?
0: I'm actually directing a lot of stuff, shooting a lot of video production and photography and... Uh... Doing that, just keeping busy uh, filming stuff and uh,
2: staying creative and making things, you know. so You know, I guess uh, since uh, 2012, you know, I left the band and uh, I pursued some culinary stuff. My, my two passions have always been food and music. So I opened up this pizza place in Newport Beach called Sarcher Pepperoni's, ironically. Awesome.
1: And finally, the way I like to close every show, a question I'm asking every guest. The 90s were such a big influence on us and Sugar Ray was such a big influence on us. But what thing other than that influenced them most from that decade? Okay, then I'll say frosted tips. I
0: actually didn't frost them. What I did was I would I would (laughs) I I would bleach my hair, you know, white, then it would go yellow, and then when
1: it grows out. Thanks again to Stan Frazier and Murphy Kurgis for joining us this week on Boy Meets '90s. Next time, join us as we talk to Rockapella, the group behind the Carmen Sandiego theme song and more. I'm Tyler Russell, and for more short shows you'll love, visit snippet.fm.